You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch. Sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those Voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today... My hope is that more women will find their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for being with me for another week of Women to Watch. It's always great to be back, and we have a very full show for you today. Joining me in just a moment will be Deborah Parenti, and Deborah is Executive Vice President and Publisher of Radio Inc., Radio and Television Business Report, and Podcast Business Journal. Uh, Deborah has been in the radio industry for over 30 years, so I have a lot of questions for her. Um, and we're going to have a lot to talk about. 
Remember to stay with us as we go into our breaks where you'll hear from our exclusive Watch Team of On-Air contributors bringing you the latest in technology, finance, marketing, healthcare, law, nonprofit, and military affairs. And I'm excited to give a very big warm welcome to Cheryl Mackey, who is going to be our brand new nonprofit On-Air contributor from the United Way of Philadelphia. So welcome to the show and watch team Cheryl. If you'd like to learn more about our watch team, feel free to email laura at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. And visit our website to subscribe to our podcast and newsletter to stay in the loop on all things related to the show and see who's coming up next. So now I'm very honored and excited again to welcome to the show Deborah Parenti. Deborah, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So I would, yeah, it's great to have you. And I, I wanted to um, give our listeners a, a little bit of a sense of your background and, and what led you to not only go into radio in the industry, but to, to stay there for quite a long time. Um, and I wondered if you could just talk a little bit about the community you grew up in, in Dayton, Ohio. Well, I grew up, my father was the uh, son of immigrants from Italy. Uh, and my mother was raised by a single mother back in the Depression era. Uh, but also, as I recently wrote in a column that will appear in our upcoming magazine, uh, without realizing it at the time, I think I've come to realize what a what a woman um, of substance my grandmother was. She ran the first multilith off graph. Um, offset Press in Dayton, Ohio, um, for the Cox Media Group, by the way. Uh, mm. that. And then later, years later, by the way, um, trained a gentleman to take that job for twice the money that she had made, uh, which was rather interesting. Oh, wow. That was part of yes. those times. Um, but I think uh, I think a lot of a lot of what I was able to become and do was founded both in um, that my my Italian heritage, which gave me great pride, still does to this day, as well as the resilience of both my mother and my grandmother and my family. So that's kind of I think the essence of um, what started it all for me. Can you, Deborah, tell me, um, you know, perhaps one of your fondest memories um, when you talk about your Italian heritage? Um, I know that for Italians, I married into an Italian family, right? There's a lot about <laughs> a lot about family and traditions. And, you know, I know that you, you like to bake with your mom. And, you know, tell me about one of your fondest memories growing up that have to do with that heritage. Well, um, one of well, a couple of things. Number one, one of my fondest memories of, of the of the, my dad's family were those Sunday dinners. Um, and if you've ever seen the movie, and I think most of us have The Godfather, and I'm talking about the first movie, there's a scene toward the end. It's the scene where he dies, but he's walking in that flannel shirt through his garden. Um, I never see that, that I don't see my grandfather, who he died while I was five, so I don't have a lot of memories of him, but I can see that flannel shirt, and I can see all those vegetables and all those fruit trees and everything that grew back there that ended up harvested on the table uh, in some form or fashion for family dinner. Um, that's just a really strong, because there was that community, there were, there were my aunts and uncles and my cousins 
cousins and the children would all be around the table in the kitchen, yes, with the plastic tablecloth. My grandmother would be serving a little bit of coffee. She would sneak to us until my father came out and said, Mom, don't do that. <laughs> coffee kind of thing but but I, but I remember that and but then going toward the other side you mentioned the baking um my mother was my best friend we like to say or we did when she was living that um we raised each other she was 19 when i she wasn't even quite 19 when i was born and according to her oh, they put wow. me in her arms her first words or the first thing she thought of was she looked at me and said i intimidated her I looked like if I could have spoken, I would have said, well, now that I'm here, what are you going to do with me? <laughs> and uh, we baked and cooked and shopped and did so many things together over the years. But um, she took on the Italian culture uh, because she was an only child. She didn't have a big family. And she said to me years later, I loved your father, but I don't know if I married him as much as I married the family because I loved having a family. Uh, and, and, and she became more Italian, I think, sometimes than half of the relatives did. She learned every recipe, and she handed them down to me. And we would wow. at Christmas time bake and, you know, uh, cannolis. I have my grandmother's cannoli sticks, the one my grandfather made for, for her um, when they were first married um, and in this country. So, you know, wow. lots, lots of strong memories along that line. Yeah. And it's always around the, you know, the food and the table, because I know that, you know, what I learned from my, my sister-in-laws, but you don't make anything from a box or a can. No. It's all from scratch, no. fresh food. Yeah. May I, may I make it? You, you, you remind me of something else too. And it became part of my career, quite frankly, you mentioned the baking and the cooking and the food. And I've always felt, I know we are, a, you know, a society that likes to diet and we watch what we eat and things like that. And that's all well and good. But food is the common denominator. I think COVID has proven mm, that as yeah. well because all of the baking and the cooking that has gone on and all of the pounds that have been put on probably uh, collectively <laughs> as a result. But throughout my career, in my, my, in my radio career, um, I made it a habit to when I would make cannolis at Christmas time, I would take them to our national rep. I would take them to advertising agencies. When I was selling I, on the local street, I would take them to clients. And people really looked forward to it. Well, fast forward, I became a general manager in Dayton and we were acquiring some other stations. And I'm going over for my first meeting and it's around the holiday time. And my sales manager says to me, I mentioned something about maybe I should take some cannolis or whatever. And he goes, ah, no, I wouldn't do that for the first meeting. Well, I went over and you know what the rest of this story is going to be. I introduced myself. We're having this round table discussion. You know, I'm talking to the, the employees and somebody raises their hand and they said, aren't you the one that does all the baking? And I said, yeah, they said, where's, where's our, where's, where's the baked goods for us? Oh, no. oh my gosh. See, and so you didn't bring them. You did not bring them to that meeting? I took his advice where you can be sure I went back and I said, uh, you know what, you were wrong. I could walk into national agencies in Chicago and New York and Detroit. And I'll never forget one time a receptionist on the phone saying, you know, Deborah's here and she brought the cannolis. (laughs) it didn't didn't matter who i you know where you were or how big the person was or, or whatever the positions 
food is a common denominator or something similar to that. It doesn't maybe have to be food, but they're making that connection and using some of my culture yes. to connect with some of these people who didn't know me initially from the man in the moon. Yes. And, you know, that reminds Deborah, when I think about you and I, you know, have done my homework and read, you know, you seem to have a confidence from a very, very young age. And, you know, that kind of going with your gut and your instinct, I think, is always really sound advice um, for, for, for women in particular. Yeah, I, I, but I do want to correct that notion because it's a commonly held um, notion about me and it's not true. Um, I was as a young child and even into my young adulthood I was I lacked a lot of confidence. I was afraid of my own shadow. Um, there was a typical pattern when I came home from school my mother would I was about in the first grade mother would say so what did, who did you play with today? Nobody. Well, what did you do? I walked the lines of the parking lot. Why didn't you play with anyone? Nobody asked me. I did not have that that outward confidence. I would take press releases into the newspaper as the promotion director of the first station I worked for, scared to death that the writer was going to be there at the desk and I might have to talk to them. Wow. And nobody but, believed wow. it, by the way. They go, oh, that right. you. But it was after I had my children and I realized that they, I mean, this was, you know, women were beginning to work more and everything. And I was, I'd gotten back into the business. Um, I'd left for a few months and I said to myself, these children need to have a secure future. And um, mm -hmm. my marriage wasn't going that well. And I had a feeling I was going to be alone with those kids as far as supporting them by and large. And I wanted to make sure that I could do that. And they became my motivation. I think that the well, story there is you have to have something. Yes, yes. That's right. Or and also to keep, you know, take those forward steps, even if you're, you know, having some self-doubt. Um, and I want to talk more about that when we come back. We have to go into our first break. Stay with us for our watch team and we'll be back with Deborah Parenti. Now the women to watch. Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. You've just shared the joyful news. You're having a baby. This morning on Your Radio Doctor, we learned that good care is the key to a healthy baby and safe pregnancy. Your obstetrician will ask your medical history, medications, allergies, your history of travel to areas with malaria, TB, Zika, and now exposure to COVID. Taking folic acid can reduce certain birth defects of brain and spinal cord by more than 70%. These birth defects occur during the first three to four weeks of pregnancy, so it's important to have folic acid in your system while the baby's brain and cord are developing. Ideally, you should see your doctor before you try to conceive so you can start prenatal vitamins and folic acid three months in advance. At-home pregnancy tests are quite accurate, but urine can be negative if you test too early. If your doctor needs to know sooner, a blood test will give the answer earlier. Early in pregnancy, an ultrasound is done to be sure the baby is in the womb. A rare problem is ectopic pregnancy, when a baby is conceived in a fallopian tube. Aside from losing the baby, it can be life-threatening to the mom. Weight gain. Aim to max at about 25 to 35 pounds. Too much weight increases risk for a C-section. Plus, babies who are overgrown at birth are more likely to be obese as adults. Gain too little weight and a risk for small for gestational age baby can have short and long-term consequences. At 11 to 14 weeks, a nuchal translucent 
uses the ultrasound looks at a small clear space in the back of the baby's neck. Excess fluid can suggest chromosomal abnormalities, but needs to be confirmed by blood tests. At 20 weeks, the anatomy scan measures the baby's length, head circumference, and estimates weight, looking at all the vital organs. It may reveal the sex of your baby, so tell the ultrasound tech if you don't want to know. Having trouble conceiving? Ask your doctor if you need to see a reproductive endocrinologist, a doctor who specializes in evaluating infertility. Next week, we'll talk about blood tests, dietary advice, and delivery. So listen to the show on yourradiodoctor.net. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. From Pathways Consulting Group. In 2020, we experienced so much change. In some cases, we've been fast forwarded into the future way that work gets done and where it's done from. As example, it's now becoming the new norm for companies to allow you and even mandate you to work from home. When interviewing for a job, you may be asked if you're equipped to work from home, or you may be applying for a 100% work from home job for the first time. Companies are fast pacing automation so that work can get to people faster and more efficiently. Things are changing and changing fast. We see it with our clients every day. With this change is an incredible opportunity in the new year, especially for women who want to break into the technology industry and have or want the ability to work from home. Maybe you need some education. Online education has only grown, so many schools have increased their virtual classrooms and include more courses and virtual classroom offerings. To me, the new norm is presenting massive opportunities to help women re-educate themselves and put them in more technology roles. In previous segments, I've discussed the types of technology roles that are out there. Developers, solution architects, business analysts, quality testers, project managers. These are just a few that we hire for at Pathways. If you're looking for a career change in technology and want to explore training, there's an incredible website called Udemy.com. At this website, you can research all types of training and research all types of technology roles. The job market in technology is shifting, and the time is right for more companies to incorporate more diversity into their groups to create a higher collective intelligence. Studies have shown that companies with higher collective intelligence enjoy better returns and are more likely to outperform companies that don't. If a career in technology is of interest to you and you want to learn more, feel free to reach out to me at mary at pathwayscg.com. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I'm speaking this evening with Deborah Parenti, the executive vice president and publisher of Radio Inc. And Deborah, I so appreciate your sharing in the first segment about, you know, the um, the lack of confidence you had. And I think it's always interesting when someone appears, you know, to, to be full of that confidence and, and actually be lacking it. I think that's just human nature in all of us. Um, I, I, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to interject there. You're, you're absolutely right. And, I, and the point of that to me is there are a lot of people out there, a lot of women, who maybe do lack confidence. And that doesn't have to hold you back at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. And I think the, the more you push through that um, hesitation or, or, or fear, the more confident you become. And certainly, right. you know, we see that as, as women who um, continue to have a career. Tell me, um, I know that you went and received your communications degree from Ohio University. What attracted you to communications? Well, again, I didn't graduate. Um, I went to Ohio University and I came back to Dayton, um, you know, for the summer break. 
looking for an internship and I ended up with a job. So I quit school, much to the chagrin of my parents, and uh, pursued my career from there. Um, so that's, that's um, but, but what drew me to it initially, I was kind of in between things. I actually went to college thinking I wanted to be a speech pathologist. Um, and I was looking for some additional courses to take and I just found mass communications fascinating. Yeah. So that's sort of where it's, you know, I, I'd had some exposure um, as a grade school child. Um, one of my best friends, her mother was the, uh, and at that time, it, you recall, they were secretaries to the program director of a radio station. And we would always get the top hits of the week early mm -hmm. because um, my girlfriend would bring him to school. So we'd know who was number one before anybody else. So that was, you know, sort of the extent of it. But uh, I just found myself, it was sort of a gradual um, metamorphosis over time. And so do you, would you say that you kind of um, fell in love with it more and more? You, you spent over 30 years in radio. What kept you there? Uh, you're right. I fell in love with it. Um, I had some great mentors, including my first general manager, Jim Bennett in Dayton, um, who was very encouraging to women. His wife was an executive. She herself, she would run, ran an advertising agency and actually ran the radio station that he first broke into as far as his career was concerned. Um, so he was very, very supportive of women. Uh, and this is going back to the early 70s. 70s. So, you know, we're, we're talking, you know, a little bit of time ago. Um, he, I think it was because, well, number one, I love the creativity of it, but also the doors kept opening and I kept pushing them open, um, certainly, but, but there, there were so, every time I would walk into that station, it seemed like there was something else new. Um, I was the kid, so to speak. In fact, I was the youngest person on the staff, and I was the kid who would sit there mesmerized in the air studio asking, you know, why is the sky blue kind of questions. The national rep would come in, and I'd do the same thing, asking, you know, how is this sold nationally? What is, you know, what's behind it? I, it just became, shall I say, for lack of a better word, an obsession. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the radio industry includes so many moving parts, promotion, market research, sales, management. You know, do you have a sweet spot within all of that? Um, I think my sweet spot is in, is, is, is in the marketing of it. And I say that because I find marketing between sales and programming. Um, and you get a taste of both that way. It's the creative side. It's taking that fabulous product, that theater of the mind, and creating something that um, that, that, that somebody like in the uh, that the client can understand giving them a concept there uh, and showing them how demonstrating how that can can create market share for them how that can move product for them there, there's a so I think marketing has always been like the sweet spot and, and by the way I've been very fortunate over my career and I started in the print shop of a radio station but I've done promotion I've been a business manager which is kind of unusual to uh, path to have taken I've been in sales I've done everything but be on the air and I did that for one week as the general manager when the program director and I took over the morning 
morning show. Deborah, I, I want our listeners to know that you made history in 1990 in Dayton as the first woman to manage a major station in that market. And I had two questions around that. I wanted to get your um, sense on why you think there's been so few women in radio and what do you think you did differently to land you in that role? Um, I well, well, number one, I'd gone to Louisville as the sales manager for the uh, for the broadcasting group that I worked for, and we it was shall I call it Camelot? Everything we did down there turned to gold. It seems like. Um, turned everything around. I mean, we had like 50% increases in sales and things. So that sort of ca captured the attention, um, i.e. it does take the effort and the work to do it. Um, and I was from Dayton as well, which I think was a plus on that side. They wanted somebody very familiar with the market. I'd been there, you know, obviously most of my life. So that's where, where that came from. But um, there was a great tenacity too. I at, By that time, somebody had said to me, my 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 um uh, one of my mentors, I had mentioned that I wanted to grow my career and, and whatever my remark was, he looked at me and he said, when are you going to put it into fifth gear? It's not going to just happen if you don't ask for it. Ask for the order. Mm. So I did. Yeah. I asked for the order to go to the, as to the sales manager's position in Louisville. Hence, I started getting, I guess you might say, the, the, the notice from corporate headquarters. Yeah that I was somebody that to, to contend with, so to right. speak. I, I think that's one of the greatest pieces of advice um, I ever heard is that if you don't ask, the answer is no always so right? right make that ask um, listen we're going to go into our next break stay with us for our watch team and we'll be back with Deborah Parenti now the women to watch military watch I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. And during this month of the Military Child, I want to tell you about another great organization that supports our military families. Now, imagine two sandy-haired brothers at play, unaware of the anxious discussion their parents are having nearby. The older brother, who is only five, carries out a show-and-tell session with his two-year-old sibling. The boys marvel at the new toys and books at this Fisher House, which is next to the Dallas VA Medical Center. The Fisher House Foundation builds and manages comfort homes located at military and VA medical centers where military families stay free of charge while their loved one is receiving medical care. Since its founding in 1990, there are now over 91 Fisher Houses across the United States, and the program have saved military family members an estimated $500 million in out-of-pocket costs for lodging and transportation. Back to our two brothers. On this day in Texas, the boy's grandfather was suddenly admitted to the hospital, and the family drove through the night to be by his side. While their parents nervously waited for an update from the doctors, the boys are occupied in the Children's Play Center, Adams Corner. Adams Corner is the living memorial dedicated to U.S. Army Specialist Adam Garcia, a soldier killed in action while serving in Iraq in 2006. Adam's mother, Cynthia Garcia, a Comcast NBC Universal employee, and her family stayed at Fisher Houses as they traveled with Adam from Germany to his final resting place at the Dallas-Fort Worth National Cemetery. 
Fisher House gave Cynthia, her husband, and their young daughter a home away from home while their family was facing a very emotionally difficult time. Cynthia wanted to give back to other military families, so she worked with the foundation to set up Adam's Corners to give children a place of their own while the adults take care of adult things. Cynthia and her family story has inspired our employees at Comcast NBC Universal. I'm proud to say that through her selflessness and amazing partnership with the Fisher House Foundation, Comcast NBC Universal teams have set up and maintain over 10 Adams Corners across the country. April is the month of the military child, a celebration of the resiliency and service of military connected children. Like the Fisher House and Adams Corner, we're privileged to give these military children a place of comfort, of escape, a place where a kid can be a kid. Now for more information about the Fisher House Foundation, go to fisherhouse.org. Hi, Sue Rocco here, host of Women to Watch. Are you a fan of the show? If so, be sure to sign up for our podcast at womentowatch.net so you never miss a show and can listen on your own time. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. Now the Women to Watch, nonprofit watch. Hi, I'm Cheryl Mackey from United Way of Greater Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey. Research continually suggests that higher education offers a wide range of benefits for individuals such as higher earnings, lower likelihood of unemployment, improvements in health, and greater civic engagement. According to Georgetown University's Center for Education and the Workforce Study on the three educational pathways to good jobs, the economy that once provided good jobs for young workers with a high school education or less now favors workers with at least some education and training beyond high school. Whereas two out of three entry-level jobs in the industrial economy demanded a high school diploma or less, now two out of three jobs demand at least some education or training beyond high school. When an individual graduates from college, their lifetime earnings double and the way is paved for future generations of their families to pursue the path to and through college. Daniel Lurie, founder and CEO of Tipping Point Community. As the first person in my family to receive both a post-secondary and advanced degree, I can attest to the doors that it opened for my family. Currently, I have three family members in education, a retired firefighter, a nurse, an attorney, three nephews, and a son who are enrolled in post-secondary education. Even my mother returned to school later in life. While the cost of college increases yearly, in the 2020-2021 academic year, most colleges and universities have refrained from increasing tuition costs to meet the economic needs of families during the pandemic. However, college expenses are still more than most low to moderate income families can afford. The Lubert Individual Development Asset and College Savings Account Programs help low to moderate income families in the greater Philadelphia and southern New Jersey region with incentive saving matches that can build their assets and attain greater self-sufficiency. Students with dedicated college savings of $500 or less are three times more likely to attend college and four times more likely to graduate from college than those without savings. The Lubert IDA and CSA programs will afford recent high school graduates as well as adult learners, an opportunity to reach their goal of attaining a two or four year degree, as well as specialized skill training certificates. For more information, please contact United Way of Greater Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey at www.unitedforimpact.org. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. 
Welcome back. It's it's quite an enjoyable conversation for me um, with Deborah Parenti, who's been in the radio industry for over 30 years. And, you know, Deborah, I was thinking about this interview today that in eight years I've been doing this show. I think you're only the second woman I've interviewed who's worked in radio, um, which is amazing. Um, one of the things I wanted to be sure to talk about was to get your take on radio versus this incredibly booming podcasting that's taking place. And, you know, if I were to ask you, what is, what do, what would you say is the advantage slash differences between terrestrial radio and podcasting today? Well, first of all, um, I don't think it has to be a versus or anything like that because podcasting can be an extension uh, for a lot of broadcasters as well. It's just, an, not just, but it's another platform. Um, the one advantage that people in radio have in so far as doing podcasting, I'm going to you know go from that angle, is the fact that they have a built-in audience, they have built-in studios, they have the assets, so to speak speak. Um, the important thing is to remember, though, of course, that a podcast is not the same thing as a morning show. You know, you've got to define your audience. It's more topic-driven. It's, it's a little more focused and everything like that. But it's actually, I mean, your first podcasters are actually where your art have been your radio people um, and your radio shows. And again, it's just, but but, but I believe that, the, that it's a tremendous opportunity to, you know, as an extension, just like Clubhouse, uh, which is all the rage right now in social media. That's an extension of so much other social media. So I believe that really you know that there that there's an advantage there for someone who has an outlet aside of their podcast when you consider that there's a mil what a million plus podcast right now out there oh my gosh is that right a no, that, that's that no. is, it, it, when we started podcast business journal uh, which focuses on podcasting and how to do it and all that sort of stuff uh, one of our publications there were I want to say at that time 750,000 podcasts uh, whoever's yeah. doing those calculations I don't know so, a little guy in the back in the back room he's counting podcasts um, but um, there are now over a million. Mm. So, so, yeah, it's it's a lot of content, right? It's a lot of choices. Right. And that's, you know, we're all about that, you know, and on-demand listening, um, same right. thing. That's right. But That's uh, right. Yeah. So tell me about your role. You're, you're a foundation board member with uh, the Alliance for Women in Media. Yes. And, uh, yeah, tell, uh, tell me what's the goal maybe for this year. Uh, certainly, you know, it's been a challenge um, with COVID. But what are the some of the things that um, you hope will take place within the Alliance for Women? Well, one of the things that I think the Alliance does, and it's so important, is the outreach uh, to women insofar as career development is concerned. And I think you mentioned um, not talking to too many people in managerial positions or whatever, you know, from the radio industry, which is obviously part of what the, under the umbrella of the Alliance. Um, that we that we are able to continue to grow the the educational arm 
of the alliance. Um, a lot of that work is done, quite frankly, supported by, and I'll give a little plug here, for the through the Gracie's Awards um, that not only honor and recognize, but is, is a fundraiser for the alliance in order to do some of these programs that impact so many lives of young women uh, who are you know, trying to find their way into the field, either radio, television, cable, um, whatever, whatever type of podcasting, whatever kind of media. Yeah. You know, one of the things that's important to us and, and why I do this show is really to try to help women move beyond that inspirational moment um, right. and into action in their own lives. And, you know, what would you say, Deborah, as someone who really um, you just you've achieved a very high level of success. You're in an industry you love and enjoy. To me, that's kind of the ultimate. Mm -hmm. If I were to say, um, what's your advice for some a woman listening who wants to take that next step, but perhaps is afraid? I think it's extremely important today in particular. It's always been important to network, but networking is so important. And I think if, if, if that involves in some cases investing in your own career, whether it is a Gracie's entry, for example, um, joining an organization um, that, that, that allows for networking. And by the way, not just networking in women's organizations, but overall in local communities and things like that. One of the frustrations I have with um, uh, overall is that people spend an inordinate amount, and it's usually well-placed, but a great hefty amount of money on getting a degree. But once they get that degree, they expect everybody else, their companies or whatever, to fund their future education. And by that, I mean the network. Like, well, if, the, if I want to go to that conference, but if the company's not going to pay for it, I'm not going. Well, it's wonderful if the company will pay for it. That's great. But if they don't, if you think it's an investment, do it. Yeah. Tell me, um, Deborah. one of the questions I always like to ask is, as a leader, uh, you're managing a lot of people. What is, how do you motivate your team? How do you keep the people around you excited about the work that they're doing? Well, there's two things. I think number one, you look at each individual. You you know, you do have a team, but you have but a team is made up of many parts, uh, just like a car is made up of many parts. You don't put grease on every part of the car. You don't put it on the tires. I don't think. I, I I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> that would not be a good idea. I'm not an automotive expert or anything like that. But I don't think. We do that. <laughs> My point being that you've got to look at each individual part. Um, and 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 figure out what it takes to motivate that. Then collectively, you get together and get people behind ideas. Um, I think it's important to be open to tweaking ideas. You know. I come out with, with with an idea to our team in general, and they're buying into it, but they have suggestions for it. You've got to be fluid enough to allow for some of those to enter into that process. Otherwise, it's your idea that I am executing. I want everybody to feel like it's they, that they've bought in because they have, they've, they've contributed to this idea. But right. Again, I think it's, right. It's, a, it's, a, it's a dual thing. You are managing a team, but you are also managing individual people who have individual personalities. Some people you push one way, you know, to get them to achieve and succeed. Some people you push in another way. 
it, it's like having a family. Everybody, That's right. Everybody is different, and you have that, to recognize and celebrate that. Yeah, great advice. Okay, listen, we're going to go into our last break, and we will be back with Deborah Parenti. Now the women to watch, Legal Watch. This is Nicole Hitner at Ballard Spire for your Legal Watch. The nation is mesmerized as my hometown of Minneapolis grapples with the legal implications and boundaries of the recent high-profile policing cases. Officer Chauvin is on trial for murder in connection with the death of George Floyd as we speak. And earlier this week, Officer Kim Potter was charged with manslaughter in the death of Dante Wright. In connection with both events, buildings are being boarded up to protect against rioting, the National Guard is standing at the ready, and Governor Tim Walz put in place a curfew for several counties. I started getting text messages from friends asking if imposing curfews was a violation of due process rights under the Fifth Amendment. There are so many pieces to unpack in everything I just mentioned, and the answer to questions everyone has is the favorite response of law students everywhere, it depends. Whether a death is a murder or a manslaughter or a negligent homicide or something else completely is highly dependent on the facts surrounding the situation. I encourage you all to watch the live stream of the Chauvin trial because the outcome will create legal precedents that will be heavily impacting our nation. I know I'm watching and I'm ready to report the outcome and the implications as soon as it's over. This is Nicole Hittner at Ballard Spar for your Legal Watch. Stay tuned. Next is our Coach's Corner podcast, which is a shorter version of our weekly show and can be heard wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm BJ Gray with this week's Coach's Corner. I remember hearing that the average worker will be distracted once or interrupted once every 40 seconds, which means how much time or attention you have available is really limited. And it's super common for our primitive brain to want to be more distracted when we're working in front of a computer. We want a little pleasure when we sit down to do that hard work. I want to introduce a concept to you today called focus time. A few years ago, I might have called this massive action, but I think focus is more relatable and something we all struggle with. What is focus time? It's two hours of uninterrupted time when you're working on a product or something to get a result. That means there is a beginning and an end to whatever you're working on and you have no notifications, your phone may be turned off or on airplane mode, and you need to be in a distraction-free environment wherever you're at. It's not work that is your average daily work looking through emails. It's not meeting with someone, but it could be writing that first draft of a deck. It's the time you know you're going to accomplish something. And it's so easy for me to have this kind of focus time every morning when I work out. I'm good at accomplishing a mile swim, a six-mile run, burning 500 calories, but when I'm in front of a computer, I am a pro at getting distracted. This may sound super logical or simple advice. However, we all fall into the same traps and habits that keep us from focusing. And I work with my clients not only on how to set up an environment to dedicate to this real focus time, but to utilize their mindset to stay focused and get the really important things done. Thanks for listening to this edition of Coach's Corner. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn or at bjgray.com. Until next time, I'm BJ from Coach's Corner. Now, more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm speaking with Deborah Parenti uh, today, and she's the Executive Vice President, uh, Publisher of Radio Inc., Radio and Television Business Report, and Podcast Business Journal. Um, Deborah, I think it's important always to have my guest really share a little bit of the personal side of how they manage just life in general. I never ask about work-life balance because I don't think there is um, that. And, you know, you have a big job with a lot of moving and especially during the past year we've lived, it's been difficult. Is there 
Um, do you have a go-to mantra that you live by when you're in a stressful moment that helps you? Well, I, I don't know if you call it a mantra or not, but after I've had my pity party, I usually take and, you know, dry my eyes and go, okay, this is not helping. Find a solution. Um, you know, you, you have to, you have to, as long as you have a, a, something that you can, that you feel you can do about something, uh, it doesn't matter what it is, but once you make a decision to do it, I've always felt I feel a lot better for it. Um, I have a, a sort of a flippant one that I, that I have been fond of for years. When I don't get what I want, I change what I want. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that works. Basically, <laughs> it's kind of like, and by the way, that doesn't mean I give up. It means I change my strategy. Yeah. So are you someone who, who is happiest in the busy? Yes, I'm very, uh, I am not happy. I do not sit still well. And I, that is both intellectually, uh, physically, and, and, you know, mentally. I don't, I don't sit still well. Um, my mind is constantly racing um, about something or other. I like to, I, I like to have something to think about um, or dream about or do or whatever. And it doesn't have to be my own personal goals, by the way. It can be for someone else um, that I, you know, that I think we, you know, we, uh, particularly as you get older, it's important to invest some of that energy, not to dominate somebody else's goals or ideas or dreams like your children or whatever, but to help foster that. How about, uh, Deborah? the last question, for someone who has believed in you, in your life, I think that's always important um, for our own self-esteem is when we have someone that believes in us. Yeah, that well, first and foremost, that was my parents who believed in me all every step of the way. Um, but today, it, it's my sons. Um, they they believe in they believe in me and what I do, um, I, and and it's reflected in so many things that they say and do for me today. Um, mm. That they they are my inspiration. Well, I'm sure what a great role model you have been for them, you know, to have sons in a world where we're always talking about women's leadership and, and diversity and inclusion. Um, I think you've been a really wonderful role model for them. And I wish you continued success as you continue to do the work you love. I wish you the same thing, Susan, too. You have a wonderful thing that you're doing here. It's a great program. Um, I've been following it a lot recently, and I'm really impressed with the diversity of women that you have and what you're doing for women. Well, thank you so much. That is it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Stay tuned next week for uh, my interview with philanthropist and president of the Lorenzini Family Foundation, Robin Lorenzini. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.